reading today is from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 16. 3 to 13, actually, sorry. Just on a 3 to 16, I was right. Okay. Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that you your faith or greater worth than God, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things they have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit, Sent from heaven, even angels look, long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Thank you, Rowan. Today we're going to um, move on in our, our series on Who Are We? Uh, looking at uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. <clears throat> and we're going to look specifically at uh, a holy nation. You just bump the. Oh, there we go. So um, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'd like for you to be aware of how you go about answering it in your mind. I won't ask you. You know, you won't have to share it. Uh, just, um, just be aware of how you go about answering it. Are you holy? Are you holy? Are you a holy person? Okay. So how did you go about answering it? Where did you focus? Did you focus on how well you've done in the last week? Just, just be aware of how you went about answering it, or whether you're like, oh, that's a good question. <coughs> I don't think I, you know, if you haven't answered, that's fine, we'll, we'll explore it. 
But when, when someone asks me, am I holy? I tend to look at my performance, if you like. How well I've done. If I, if I have a good week, I go, yeah, well, okay. Maybe, but, you know, I did do the finger to that little old lady when she cut me off in the car. That kind of stuff. Um, and that kind of thing, just, just like, oh, no, I'm not holy. But Peter has got some awesome things to say about holiness in this passage. And there's so much in, in that passage that Raven read, I had to kind of to isolate down a few verses and focus on them. Um, because there's so much in there. Um, so first of all, we're going to look at what is holiness. And um, in the Old Testament, uh, Exodus 19, verse 5 to 7. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the holiest is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So that's just before Moses received the Ten Commandments. Um, and so this is from the Old Testament thousands of years ago, and it's very similar to the passage, the words used in Peter, isn't it? Kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So this is obviously something that's really important to God. This is his goal, if you like, for his people. And this is, this is uh, if, you, if you remember last week, Sarah talked about the three circles of identity. And that there was a big circle, which was the big story, the meta-narrative. Then there's another circle inside there called our story. And then another uh, circle within that, which was my story. So this, this passage here, and the one in Peter, speaks of the big story. Okay, so this is, this is God's, this is why God created us, if you like. This is our purpose, this is our reason for being. This is where every, everything that God is moving the world forward to is to establish a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So this is a big story that we can find our own identity within. So now let's look at the word holy. The Hebrew word for holy in Exodus 19 is kadosh, which means different or distinctive. And it didn't mean that the Israelites were necessarily any better than any other nationals, especially religious. But instead, it means that something or someone is holy when they get set apart for a distinct purpose in relation to God, and then they're kept separate for that purpose. So there's two aspects here, right? There's the set apart, He's being set apart and then for a special purpose. And it's, it's done to something. There's some, someone doing something, right? The special purpose is because someone intends that to happen, okay? <laughs> so holiness means to be set apart or to be kept separate. And sometimes when we try to understand what something means, it helps to look at what the opposite means. So the opposite of holiness is actually commonness. It doesn't mean evilness, it's, it's actually being common. So let's look at an example. Um, when I was a, a single man in my bachelor days, I had one set of cutlery, and everyone got that set of cutlery. And then when I got married, we ended up with about five sets of cutlery. And these different grades, the, the common stuff that we have every day, then we have steak knives, and then we've got this really awesome little, looks like proper plated, Cutlery. That really comes out. 
but effectively we've got all these different sets of cutlery and um, they have different, a different use, right? So our special cutlery is set apart, or it's holy if you like. We've, we've set it apart, we've decided that this is the good stuff. And it's for a distinct purpose, so when we have a spe real special occasion then we bring that out. And often you can't put it through the dishwasher, which is really annoying, isn't it? And you have to wash it by hand. So there's the price to pay. Now, sometimes something can be made special because of who owned it. And this makes it lots more valuable. So um, this set of cutlery here was uh, used by Adolf Hitler. And someone recent, well, 2010, paid 17,000 US for this set of cutlery. Oh, I don't think I'd pay that much for it myself. You know, hey, good on you. So if you had this, would you throw it in the drawer with the rest of the stuff you got from farmers or Kmart? No, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> you would probably keep it, you know, even really set apart like in a special case or something like that. And you probably wouldn't even use it for eating again, even though cutlery, that's what it's intended purposes for, right? And use it for eating, but there's no way to bring that out. So, um, could you throw it in the drawer with the rest of the stuff? Yeah, you could. <laughs> but why would you do that? You know, it's insane to pay 17,000 US and then treat it like the rest of your stuff. So, holy things shouldn't be used for common purposes. And uh, when we were tidying up, found this interesting example. We were, um, we were doing up our house and retailing it and found this awesome metal tray that had plumbing fittings on it. <laughs> I thought it was silver and I thought, man, that's a sad end for a silver tray, isn't it? <laughs> that's my worry, eh? <laughs> yeah, he often does that. So this is the opposite. It's using something that should be holy for a common purpose. So that's the opposite, if you like. So we're starting to see that something is holy or set apart because of its inherent qualities. So it might be silver or precious metal. And more importantly, uh, often, who it belongs to, the value they place on it and the purposes that they have in mind. So when it comes to us about thinking about our holiness, it's tempting to think that God has set us apart because of our own awesomeness. And I'm afraid this isn't the case. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So jars of clay, you can't get more common than that, right? Like, nothing much special about jars of clay. <clears throat> and so we can't claim to be holy because of our own self-generated qualities. We are inherently valuable because we have accepted and therefore contained, and this is what Sarah spoke about last week, um, with us being made in the image of God and being able to carry the Holy Spirit. So that's the great treasure in us that, that Paul is speaking about. The Holy Spirit, which is possible because of the precious blood of Christ. And that is what is extremely precious. So let's get back to 1 Peter. <clears throat> Our scripture verse tells us that we have been, uh, verse that we've been looking at comes from 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. But if we look backwards from these verses, there are two therefores. And whenever you read in scripture, you see a therefore, 
you have to ask, what's it there for? Okay? I heard that the other day and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> what's it there for? So the first therefore is in 1 Peter 2, 1. And going back even further, there's another one in 1 Peter 1, 13. So Peter is building a case about holiness. And we need to go right back to the start of this letter to understand it. So let's look at 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth. Given us new birth. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. So Peter asks us to focus on how much we have been given. And specifically he mentions a new birth. What is this new birth? I looked at the Amplified Version. And it defines this new birth. Let me just bump the next one over, Chris. <coughs> oh, this thing Okay. So, it means uh, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. Okay, so reborn from above, that's the new birth. Spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. Set apart, what does that mean? Holy. Okay. So that means that we, um, the, the process of being holy, or the, the gift of holiness, if you like, has been given by God because He has given us that new birth, okay? Given us, and that set apart as holy. So the first awesome point to realize is that holiness is a gift. First and foremost, it's a gift from God. And that if you're anything like me, you have a tendency to, like, I'm a perfect melancholic um, <coughs> character, and I, I like everything to be perfect. And uh, in my life, it gives me hassle sometimes because I feel these fine little adjustments to make sure everything's perfect. And I'm the same when I look at my own performance, if you like, and I get really disappointed when I stop good enough. And part of my own journey through my Christian life was actually to realise I will never be good enough. I will never be perfect. It's simply not possible for me to be perfect. But that perfection is given to me by Jesus. And that's what the wonderful uh, thing is about our walk with the Lord. Holiness is a spiritual position change and it's something that God does for us. First and foremost, it's not something we do for ourselves. <coughs> In other words, we can say that Jesus is our holiness. Because holiness is a gift given to us as a result of what he did. Okay? So then, next time someone asks you a question, are you holy? You can say with confidence, if you point to what Christ has done, you can say with confidence, yes, I'm holy. Because he, his performance, his obedience was perfect. And that obedience becomes ours when we accept it as a gift, right? So that makes me holy. Not because I'm awesome, but because Christ is awesome. So Peter goes on to say that this new birth results in us having an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. So what's an inheritance? An inheritance is when you get money or property or good stuff because someone has died, right? And they left you their good stuff. <coughs> I don't think I've got any kind of inheritance at all from any distant uncles or whatever. But that's okay. That's okay. I'm not bitter about that. 
<laughs> so in this case, who has died that we might receive an inheritance? Christ has died, right? Christ has died. And because he died, we receive everything that belongs to him. And holiness is part of that. Okay, so the, the holiness that is Christ is given to us. I hope, I hope you get how awesome this is. But this is incredible. This is amazing stuff. In terms of living a life of spiritual rest, this kind of stuff, by focusing on this, this brings spiritual rest. So if you're a person that struggles with anxiety, like I, I'm a person that struggles with anxiety, if you, if you are anxious about stuff, if you're fearful about stuff, the more you focus on Christ and what He has done, you will find rest and peace and joy. <clears throat> the more we focus on the thing that is the object of our fear or anxiety or depression, if you like, we will just keep on struggling with our, our depression. <clears throat> so, holiness is first and foremost a gift. And it applied even to uh, Israel. So if we look at Leviticus 20, 26. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. So the Lord did that for Israel. And in the New Testament, Hebrews 9, uh, 10, 9 to 11, says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all. I love, I love Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to preach more on it because it's so awesome. Hebrews uh, chapter 10 talks once and for all about this, this event that happened in the spiritual realm when Christ died. And that has set us free. So in other words, if you have given your life to God and accepted Jesus' sacrifice for your sins, you are holy whether you feel like it or not. It's because something that God has done to you. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, and I get pretty excited about it. In fact, the Greek word for holy hagios is translated as saints. This is what saints, you know, we, we kind of thought about saints as these amazing people that have led an ex exemplary life, and therefore they are saints. But that's not actually what the word means in the scriptures. Christopher Wright says that a saint is not an extremely religious person who has achieved higher status than anyone else through their spiritual exertion or faultless moral living. That simply means someone whom God has identified as his own. That's what it means. Okay? So you're a saint if you've given your life to the Lord. That's you. And you can't do anything about it. Let's go there. Yeah, thank you. So, if I sin, do I stop being holy? Well, if we stop being holy when we sinned, we wouldn't be holy. Full stop. Because we're going to sin again, aren't we? You can't tell me that anyone in this room, including me, is going to leave this place and we're not going to sin ever again. Okay? So if we, if we lost our holiness every time we sinned, it wouldn't be much of a holiness. But this is a gift, again, that Christ has given us. So we don't lose our holiness when we sin. And that is grace. 
That is unmerited favour. That is the wonder of the gospel of Christ. So let's return to uh, Hebrews 10, 9 to 11. We have been made holy, it's past tense, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. It's done. We might think of it like this. Holiness is gifted to us when we, be, when we become children of God. So let's think about, I thought of an example of um, you know, Prince William and Kate. If Prince William cheated on Kate, that would be pretty terrible, right? Would he stop being a prince? No, because that's his position in life. That's, it. that's who he is. And when we accept Christ, we have a, a spiritual position change. That's, we are now children of God and we are holy. So when we sin, we don't lose our position. This is the un incredible grace of God. But we, Prince William wouldn't be acting as a prince. He wouldn't be doing who he was born to be if he cheated on Kate. Right? He wouldn't be behaving in a manner, manner that is consistent with who he is. And when we sin, especially habitual sin, <clears throat> we are not behaving in a manner that is consistent with who we are. So children of God should be slaves to righteousness, not slaves to sin. And so this leads to the second aspect of holiness, working out holiness in our lives. But remember, we've come, we're coming from a place of security. We're coming from a place, this is who we are. How do we now work it out in our lives? How do we advance in holiness? Now we talk about being like Jesus all the time. We talk about being transformed into his likeness all the time. Um, but it's much easier to talk about than actually do. So let's go back to the first great therefore in 1 Peter 1. Therefore, with minds that are fully alert and, uh, um, alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Now if you look at this passage, and this is what I struggled with when I, when I was re researching this sermon, kind of says to me that um, I have to wait until Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming before I get grace. But I need grace now, right? I don't, I don't, I'm not happy with sin in my life. I'm not um, happy with the areas of, in my life that I know uh, aren't being lived in glory to God. And anxiety is one of those areas. So I'm fully like asking the Lord to teach me how to sort out my anxiety better. And I'm much, I think I've made a lot of progress in that area, but I'm by, by all means I'm not there yet. <clears throat> and the thing is, um, that be holy, that sounds like I've got no time. I have to be holy now. You know, I have to work this out all now. My spiritual position change has to like happen right now. And that's, uh, I was like, man. And then I found Young's literal translation of the same passage. Wherefore, having girded up the loins of your mind, that's old school speak, eh? Girded up the loins of your mind. Being sober, hope perfectly upon the grace that is being brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves to the former desires of it in your ignorance, but according as he who did call you is holy, ye also become holy in all behaviour, 
because it hath been written, Become ye holy, because I am holy. Now that's cool. That's very cool. Why is it cool? Because it makes it clear that grace is a prerequisite to working out holiness in our lives. It's grace. Okay? Hope perfectly upon the grace that is being brought to you now. It's happening now. The more Jesus Christ is revealed to us, the more we get what he's done for us, the amazing gift that he's given us, of which holiness is, is but one aspect. We, we are becoming uh, more thankful, uh, more excited about spending time with God, um, allowing the Holy Spirit. Because what, uh, what have we got to lose? We're, we're coming from a position of security now, right? We don't have to be afraid of, oh, God might see this area of my life that I'm really struggling with and I'm ashamed about. <coughs> if we're already made holy, we can say, here it is, Lord. Come on and sort this mess out. You've got nothing, no worries anymore. Because that's something that Christ has done for you. <coughs> and it's also cool, it says, become you holy. Become makes it sound like, sound like I've got time. It's a journey. And that's what I need. So all I need to do is decide, yep, I want to work out holiness in my life. I want to be distinct. <coughs> I want to be different. I want God to work through me and to see his kingdom come. So, gird up the loins of your mind. What's that about? Well, in the ancient Near East, uh, both men and women wore flowing tunics. Kind of like, a dressing gown's a bad example, but it's kind of like a dressing gown. <coughs> and if you had to go into battle, you can imagine charging into battle with your dressing gown. And you'd be tripping on it and falling over, and, and it wouldn't be a good ending, would it? So what they did was they, they gathered up their, their flowing tunic and they wrapped it around their waist and then they didn't have all this hindrance around their legs and then they could charge into battle and hopefully have a much better outcome than tripping on the dressing gown. <coughs> so it means to prepare yourself to fight. So the thing about holiness is to realise, and, and this is true of the Christian life in, in general, it's, you know, I'd hate to say 90%, but a lot of it is in our minds. It's about what we think, what we, what we meditate on, what we dwell on. And it's awesome to actually start asking yourself, why? Why am I thinking about this? You know, if something's going around and around and around and around in your head and you can't stop thinking about it, why? Why? Why is it doing that? Why and why not at rest? Okay? <clears throat> Hope perfectly upon the grace that is being brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this word hope here, it's not just a, oh man, I hope to get something good at some stage. Holman's Bible Dictionary says hope is a trustful expectation, particularly with re re reference to the fulfillment of God's promise. Biblical hope is the anticipation of a favourable favorable outcome under God's guidance. That's an anticipation of favourable outcome. So grace is unmerited favour. We are shown favour that rightly belongs to Jesus. 
So what Peter is saying is that the process of working at holiness in our lives is the expectation of undeserved or unmerited favour that comes to us when Jesus Christ is revealed. And I think there's two aspects to this. <clears throat> the first is to meditate and think about our spiritual position in Christ, like we have been talking about. Holiness is a gift. And that kind of thing. Holy and righteous. Right, by righteousness comes from Christ as well. The more you meditate on that, the more you dwell on that. Uh, this is what I found anyway. You experience, well, I experienced um, a much greater amount of peace in my life, rest, and I'm not bothered by stuff so much anymore. And I want to continue this journey of, expo of exploring what that means more and more. So if holiness is ours as a free gift, we can stop spiritually striving for it and rest in His goodness. This rest leads to peace and rejoicing. The more we understand the magnitude of the gift, the more we will be more like Jesus. <clears throat> so the other aspect of this, of focusing on grace, is if you have an area of need, then expect the Lord to supply what you need to do this well. Okay, you... If, if, if here's the God of supply here's, grace is unmerited favor I don't have to deserve it I just have to know that I don't deserve it there's <laughs> a difference so look to, look to the Lord to supply what you need for example you struggle with anger well ask the Lord to show you why, are you, why you are angry and allow him into those areas of, of your struggle you struggle with your sexuality I'd struggled with my sexuality for many years and I always felt condemned. And I realised through this whole journey that the Lord brought me through uh, on grace, I don't have to be condemned. Right? I'm holy and righteous because of the gift of Christ. And I can let the Lord in. I can say, come in, Lord. I don't, I, I don't deal with this stuff anymore. Come in and, and help me sort, sort out what's going on. So, an example of how this might happen, uh, I was thinking about, a few months ago I was, I was playing um, a song in church, <coughs> um, It's All About You, when the music fades, all the that song, It's All About You. And in the middle of that song, I was suddenly thinking, man, the, the vocals are sounding awesome, and my guitar is sounding so magnificent. And I was thinking, and then suddenly this, this condemning thought came into my mind, hold on, you're singing a song that is all about Christ, and you're not making it all about Christ at all. And I thought, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> this is all going through my mind as, as we're singing, right? I don't know what that's in your mind when we're singing worship. <clears throat> so if I allowed that condemning thought to, to keep on niggling at me, I would have to put my guitar down and sit down. Because I shouldn't have been up there, right? I was singing a song that's all about Jesus, and I wasn't making it all about Jesus at all, right? But instead, I thought, no, no, I'm holy and righteous. Jesus has made me holy and righteous. He's got me covered. And, and then I started thinking, man, that is awesome. How wonderful is that, that in mid-flight, in mid-song, when I've had a I'm not sure, maybe it's a moral failure, whatever you want to call it. But I messed up. 
I can turn to God and I can rest in his goodness. He's got me covered. He's made me holy. He's made me righteous. It's okay. And then I was like, man, that was so awesome. And I, was, I would praise the Lord with renewed vigor after that. So our weaknesses can become our strength. And this is what the Bible teaches, right? When we focus on grace. If we focus on our own obedience and, and lack of our obedience, we're just going to, we haven't got a chance. Because we're not, the, the standard is perfection. And we're not perfect. But Peter, this is what Peter is saying here. Set your hope perfectly upon the grace. And it's going to take mental focus. You're going to have to choose to catch yourself like I did and say, hold on, I'm allowing this condemning thought to condemn me when I'm a child of God and I have, an, I have inherited Christ's holiness and righteousness. So you've got to, a, there's a lot of mental focus going on here. So it's not, don't expect it to happen overnight. But I would invite you to, to start on this journey of choosing to focus on grace, hope perfectly in the grace. And this, this final scripture that, that Peter says, this is, this is where we long. This is so good, isn't it? This is beautiful. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right? Notice that? Now that you have, knowing that the Lord is good, comes before doing all that stuff. Is that clear? That's what grace is, knowing that the Lord is good. Why is he good? Because he gives favour to those that don't deserve it. And that's me. So I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your head. And we're going to allow God to set your hearts. If grace is the root, holiness is the fruit. What fruit is shown, shown in your life? <laughs> what kind of fruit do you know is a result of grace and the work of God in your life? And what kind of fruit do you know comes from your striving, your focusing on your own performance or obedience. How's your bitterness levels? How is your hope and joy levels? If some of the fruit in your life is not looking great, stop focusing on the fruit and have a closer look at the root. Is the root grace? Do you realise how much you have been given in Christ? And do you realise that all the resources of God are available to help you in this journey of becoming holy, working out the gift of holiness in your life?